And today, we're going to start or do part four of the series, and I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 16. It's the only reference point I'm going to ask you to look up, so take a minute to find it there in your Bible, look it up on your phone or whatnot. Luke chapter 16. And today, we're going to be talking about breaking the spirit of mammon. Breaking the spirit of mammon. Okay? The word mammon is found only four times in the entire Bible. Four times. Three of them are in this passage of Luke chapter 16, and the other instance is in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, and it's the parallel verse to one of the verses here in Luke. So that we know of this word four times Jesus used it, because it's Jesus who talks and uses this word. Luke chapter 16, starting verse number 9, watch what he says. He says, and I say to you, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, here's the second time we hear it, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant, no servant. The book of Matthew, the parallel verse says, no one, no servant, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other, You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and mammon. Again, this is Jesus talking, and we heard it three times. So I have three questions that I want to share with you today, three points, but they're in the forms of question. And the first one is this. If we're going to be talking about breaking the spirit of mammon, here's the first point or the first question. What is mammon? What is mammon? So let me give you a little information to talk to you a little bit about what mammon is. Mammon is an Aramaic word, which means riches. It's an Aramaic word, which means riches. And mammon was not just an Aramaic word. It comes from the Syrian god, which was named Mammon. The Syrians had a god named Mammon, the god of riches or wealth. So Jesus is not just saying here and talking about the spirit of Mammon. He's also using to the people he's talking to at that point, a god that they knew, someone that they recognized. And this god, this spirit of Mammon, comes from Babylon. Okay, Babylon, if you know a little bit about Babylon and break down what the word means or or what it is, Babylon, that city, that nation comes from the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel, you find it in Genesis chapter 11. After the flood, after the, 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 the people under Noah begin to multiply, it says that they got together, they all had one language, and they decided that they were going to build this huge tower to reach the heavens, to reach God. In other words, they said to themselves, we can get to God without needing God. Okay, And that is the very essence of what the spirit of mammon brings or is. It is a spirit that is the, the counter or the opposite, the contrast 
of everything that God does. And the word Babel, which means confusion, if you break it down, Babel means confusion, and on, when you bring it together, means to sow or plant. So the word Babylon literally means sown or planted in confusion. And so here we are, Jesus is talking and says, you cannot, it is not possible to serve two masters. You cannot serve God and you cannot serve mammon at the same time. The Tower of Babel was built on arrogance and pride. Those are two of the things that work alongside with the spirit of mammon. Pride, I can do it. It's trying to usurp or take, rob the position of God in our lives. So the spirit of mammon wants to do. It is saying you don't need God. You can do it on your own because you trust in your riches or in your money. That's what mammon is. Okay. And so that mammon is in the spirit of world, in the spirit world. And mammon is a spirit that rests upon Money. Money can have one of two spirits resting upon it. The spirit of God or the spirit of mammon. The spirit of God or the spirit of money, uh, uh, of mammon. The spirit of God rests upon your money or your finances when you bring to God what is already his, your tithe, and that makes the rest of your finances have the spirit of God resting upon it. It redeems the rest because you bring to God what's his. When you don't, the spirit of mammon rests upon it. And what does mammon say? The, the, the mammon is trying to replace God in our lives. Right now, there's, there's a huge movement, and not right now, it's probably been going around probably about 30 or 40 years. It's called the prosperity gospel or the prosperity message. Are you guys familiar with the prosperity gospel? Prosperity message? Watch, I'm, I'm going to tell you something now. The prosperity gospel, prosperity message, the one that says that God wants everybody to be rich, everybody to have Rolexes and drive Mercedes Benz, it is a gospel or doctrine of mammon. Because it says, give and you get, give and you get, which works greed back into your life, as opposed to what we talked about in part one of this series about the heart, where giving breaks greed in your life. Selfishness and greed are broken when you give and when you have the mindset of give to get, give to get, it brings back selfishness and back into your life. Greed and selfishness back in. And so Jesus says, you cannot serve God and mammon. So watch, let me show you one more thing. When somebody takes grasp of that prosperity gospel, they give to get the minute that something goes wrong in their finances or in their problems, they turn to God and say, why? You did this. Why? They despise God because something went wrong because their God in that instance was mammon. And we all have dealt with the spirit of mammon, all of us. I'm going to give you an example of that. Have you ever thought this? If you've thought this, okay, I either need a breakthrough from God 
or a sudden influx of money or cash. If I get the money or cash, I'll be okay. So I need a breakthrough from God or some aunt that I didn't even know existed to die and leave me an inheritance. Have you ever think that before? That is the spirit of mammon. Because if I get the influx of money, I say, God, I don't need it anymore. I'm already taken care of. I know this is really harsh and is very deep. But I want you guys to walk into the fullness of the blessings of God in your life, which is why God says, Jesus said, you cannot serve God and mammon. You can't. Here's another point on that. If money can fix the problem you have, it's not really a problem. And if money can't fix it, God can and that's a big distinction. See, if you have a situation and you can resolve it with an extra $1,000, it's not truly a problem. Because how many people do you know that perhaps have tons of money but are terminally ill with a cancer? People that perhaps have tons of money and have a child that just died of a drug overdose or is addicted to something. They have all this money, but the money can't fix it. Only God can. And mammon wants to take away the position of God in our lives. This is what mammon tells you. Mammon tells you things like this. If you have more money, you have more security. If you have more money, you have more influence. If you have more money, you can have more independence. If you have more money, you have more power. It is promising you things that it cannot deliver. It's promising you things that only God can give you. Because only God can give you happiness. Only God can give you joy. Only God can give you identity. Only God can give you significance. Only God can give you independence. It's writing you checks that it can't cash. So we need to break that. In our lives. The spirit of mammon works with or is the same as the spirit of the Antichrist. Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, the book of Revelation talks about the Antichrist, end times, the Antichrist. Think about this for a second. For those of you that have read through it already, does the Antichrist, does the Bible say that the Antichrist is going to rule with the threat of war, nuclear war, and bombs? No. It says that the Antichrist is going to rule with the threat of not being able to buy or sell unless you get the mark of the beast. It says that unless you get this mark, you will not be able to buy the things you need for your family or sell different things. It is ruling by the spirit of mammon, not by anything else. And so we need to break the spirit of mammon in our lives. You want to know the biggest lie that the spirit of mammon tells us as Christians? If you had more money, you can help more people. Newsflash. God don't need your money to help people. That's the biggest lie. I mean, did Jesus ever tell somebody that came up to him, a blind man, a lame man, a crippled man? Son of David, have mercy on me. Oh, yeah, if you had more money, you could see again. Did Jesus ever tell anybody if you had more money? No. Why? Because money can't fix it. God can. 
Money is not the one that can fix it. It's God. So that leads me to my second question or point. Is money evil? Is money evil? If you look at the verse, it said the unrighteous mammon. An unrighteous mammon could really be translated to the riches of unrighteousness. And some of you perhaps are looking at you like, oh, but, but, but the Bible says that money is the root of all evil. That's not what the Bible says. 1 Timothy 6.10 says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money. Money is neutral. Money is neither good nor bad. You can do good things with money, or you can do bad things with money. You can have the Spirit of God upon your money, or you can have the Spirit of mammon upon your money. Money in and of itself is neither good nor bad. But when you submit to God, when you bring to God what is His, His tithe, it brings a blessing upon the rest of your finances, and it puts his spirit to rest upon it. And God stretches it. God provides. Do you understand that God doesn't necessarily provide just by more money? I, I, look, I'm going to show you a testimony. It happened today, okay? Today. My daughter, Alexandra, wanted to do flamenco at school. So we signed her up in flamenco. And she went to her first class of flamenco, right, or whatever, and she gets home with a list of additional items. She needs a flamenco skirt. She needs a flamenco leotard. She needs flamenco shoes. She needs a da 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 right, a laundry list. We budgeted for flamenco, but not for the rest of the stuff, right? I didn't think I, she's already done dance. She's got dance shoes. She's got this. No, no, no. Flamenco shoes are different shoes. Okay. Patty sent a message to somebody who we knew had done, hey, you know, older, our, our niece. Like, yeah, I got a skirt. Come by and pick it up. Went back and pick it up. Then she sent another message. Hey, we have this thing. And somebody showed up at church today with their daughter. The, the, the young lady had, went to her closet, pulled out, had the right size shoe, the right leotard, all the different stuff. Said, here, Alexandra, you can use all this for your flamenco stuff. God provides not necessarily by giving you an influx of money. He can provide by having somebody else sow a seed into your life that is stretching what you have because the Spirit of God was resting on the finances and you're not just losing it. Remember we talked about a couple of weeks ago what the Bible says is this. You either sacrifice it or you lose it. It's what it said. When the firstborn animal, right, you either had to redeem it or you lost it. You either bring it to God or it's not yours anyway. And why do we have so many believers across the planet living defeated lives financially? It's because they are thinking that they can do more than what God can do when you first give him what's his. So again, money is neither good nor evil. It's the love of money. Loving and serving mammon. Mammon is looking for people to serve him every single day. And when you begin to serve mammon, you begin to despise God because you tell God, I don't need you. I got this. 
I made an extra this. I got this. I did this. God, I'm good. That's what mammon wants to do. He wants to take the place of God in our lives. Look at verse number 9 of Luke 16. Verse number 9 of Luke 16. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. This is a, this is a pretty weird verse when you just read it, right? Like, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. That when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. What is the first thing that perhaps comes to mind? All right, so when I have this unrighteous mammon, when I have this money, let me make sure that I help people out so that when I don't have money, somebody helps me out. But that's not what the verse is saying. When you look up the word fail, look, make friends with yourselves with unrighteous manners, that when you fail, it's not talking about there about losing your money or failing. It's talking about when you die, when you expire, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Who's going to receive you? The people that came into the kingdom because you gave God the finances and he turned that money into souls. See, I'll give you an example like this. You, you, you sowed into a missionary's life to do a work in whatever country. And you're going to get to heaven one day, and there's going to be somebody who's going to come up to you and be like, hey, you know, I came to Christ. I don't know you, but I came to Christ in the middle of nowhere in this little province in Africa, to say a place. And I found out when I got up here that that missionary was sponsored by 20 different people, and you were one of them. That offering was taking the unrighteous mammon and giving it to God, laying the foundation to be received in the everlasting home. God's the only one that can turn money into souls. Money's not eternal, but souls are eternal. Come on, haven't you heard the story of the husband and wife, and the husband was super, super greedy? And he tells the wife, he's about to the point of death, he's like, honey, when I die, I want you to put all of our money, all of the money, it's my money, I work for it, I want you to bury me with all my money. And she's like, okay. So the day comes, and he dies, and all the friends are telling her, well, you, you can't do this. She's like, don't worry about it, I got it. he asked me for it. So that it comes, they, they close, the, she, they're about to close the casket. She goes up to him. She puts something inside the casket and then they close the casket. They go to the burial and all the friends are like, I, I, I can't believe you did it. You put it in there. You put all the money. He's like, yeah, I wrote him a check. <laughs> when you die, you're not taking it with you. As a matter of fact, everything that we see here on earth, it's going to burn one day. You know what's eternal? souls. And when you take and you bring and give to God, he takes the unrighteous mammon, redeems it, and put the Spirit of God upon it so that it makes souls that last for eternity. Pastor Robert Morris shares a story of something that happened to him when he came to Christ. Him and his wife came to Christ. They already knew each other. They were already married when they came to Christ. And uh, he says that 
they would they 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 wanted to tell people about Jesus, but he was very shy when he was younger. And so they would go to restaurants, and after they paid, they would leave like a little gospel track. You know what I'm talking about? Those little tracks that say the gospel story or whatever. They would leave the track with the tip inside. But they never heard anybody say anything. They would go back a month later, whatever. They would never hear anything. So they, he said, man, we're probably just not tipping well enough. So they're not reading it. So him and his wife talked about it. They saved up money because they didn't have a lot of money at that point, And they saved up money. And they went to eat at a restaurant. And they left the, uh, the, the gospel track with a $50 bill inside as the tip. The meal had been like $10 or $15. And they left a $50 tip with the track inside. And they left. And about three or four weeks later, they went back to that restaurant. And the waitress saw them and said, wait, wait, wait. I have been looking for you guys. I want to talk to you. I read the little book you left me with the $50 inside. And when I read the book, I gave my life to Jesus. And then I called my husband and read him the book, and he gave his life to Jesus. And he says that that, that kind of just resonated. Like, why'd you call your husband? Was he away on a business trip? Was, was he home? You know, what would you call him? He's like, she says, he, he says she put her head down and says, no, he's in prison. So here he is, he, he, he gave a seed. Remember that you can't divide up your tithe. Your tithe goes to the house. Your tithe is brought to the house, and God turns it into souls, right? This is what we do here on a weekly basis. We're turning that into souls, reaching the hurting, the broken, all those different things. And then above that, when you give offerings, if God puts something in your heart, he took that $50 and turned it into two people giving their lives to Christ, who probably after that told other people about Christ. He says that years later, when he got out of prison, He was able, him and his wife were able to go and see both the husband and wife get baptized. He says, I know when I get to heaven, that he's if he goes before me, he's going to be one of the ones waiting for him, saying thank you for using that $50 of unrighteous mammon for my eternal salvation. God's the only one that can take your money and turn it into souls. Turn it into souls. That's what God wants to do. He can turn it into souls. One day, you and I are going to be greeted in heaven by somebody that says, because you gave, I'm here today. Look, I got a phone call this week, or last week, I can't remember. I think it was this week. And it was from the principal of one of the schools that we work with, of COPE. That last year, we, made, we were able to make the connection through, 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 through Alyssa Dalamar. They made the connection. We were able to go and bless the young ladies, and, and they want us to continue to go back. We were able to go to a conference that they were doing and speak to them about Jesus. I mean, it was a blessing. She comes, she goes, she's like, you know, Pastor Perez, I, I want you to come be the principal for the day at our school, for the county, for, for our school this year. Can you do it? Yes, I will be there. Give me the dates. This is the breakfast days thing. And additionally to that, do you know what an ESAC committee is? We would want you to be our community representative on our ESAC committee. Let me tell you something. Every young lady that we get to sow a seed into and eventually comes to Christ, everyone here is going to have a part of that when they get to heaven because God turned the ma- unrighteous mammon into souls. That's what it is because it's about souls. So what was that first question? What is mammon? We talked about it. It's a spirit. The second thing was, was money evil? And we know it's not. It's neither good nor bad. It's just, is the spirit of God resting upon it? Or is mammon resting upon it? Here's the third question. What should I do with my money? 
What should I do with my money? It's actually a pretty simple answer. Watch this. Be a good steward of your money. We are called to be good stewards, administrators of whatever we have. And perhaps some of you are sitting here today, and this is what your thought process is. Pastor, I ain't got enough of that unrighteous mammon for this to, you know, pertain to me. (laughs) I don't got enough. If I had more, I'd take notes and apply things. Let me tell you something. If that's your mentality, you'll never have more. Ever. See, let's read the verse. Can we read the verse more time? Read verse number 10, Luke 16, 10. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Look what God said. If you're faithful now with the little, he agrees. Landon agrees. If you're faithful now with the little, then God's going to give you more. If you're unjust with the little, you would be unjust with more. I mean, have you ever heard of someone that, I mean, they, they start stealing perhaps from their workplace, and as the company grows, they don't continue to steal the little, they just steal more. They used to steal $10, now they steal 1000 If you were unfaithful with the little, you're going to be unfaithful with the more. Look at verse 12. Skip down to verse number 12. It says, and if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? One more time. If you have not been faithful with what is another man's, who will give you your own? (laughs) Can you think this for a second? Could perhaps what... Jesus was talking about being faithful what was in other man's is your tithe. Jesus saying, if you're not faithful with what is God's, his portion, who's going to give you your own? It all depends on what we do with his money. And then, if you read verse number 11, it says, therefore... If you have not been faithful in this unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Who's going to commit the true riches? If you're not faithful, why are we going to commit true riches to an unjust steward? You know what Satan knows? (laughs) He knows that whatever you bring to God or give to the church is turned into souls, which are eternal. And hell is being plundered and heaven is being populated by our giving. Simple as that. Simple as that. I want to show this little video for a second. Go ahead and put this video clip. I can't do it justice. It's part of what Pastor Moore, uh, Robert says in this preaching, and I can't do it justice. I want you to hear this real quick. When Ethan, my son-in-law, and Elaine, my daughter, started dating, uh, Ethan came to me and talked to me first, and I set up guidelines you know, for him and, uh, and because I wanted to see if he'd honor me. Here, here's the reason. If he wouldn't honor me, he wouldn't honor her. That's for some of the young men here. (laughs) 
And so I, we t- I brought him in. We talked. I also showed him my gun collection, by the way. Uh, but, um, but I gave him some rules to follow and some things, you know. And then after a few months, and he did it. He did everything right. He did everything right. He did everything I told him to do. So after a few months, I gave him the, the, uh, the okay to start dating. And so one night there at 7, our young adult group, and they're standing around talking with a group of young adults afterwards, and they were talking about what it would be like to date the pastor's daughter, you know. And it's Ethan and Lane and seven or eight other young adults, you know. And uh, it was funny because uh, one of them said to Elaine, you know, your dad is so strict on tithing. I'll bet he checks the tithing records of the guys that want to date you. <laughs> and Elaine, Elaine said, he does. And when she said that, Ethan went, uh-oh. <laughs> and Elaine said, what are you saying? You, you told me you tithed. You told me you tithed. What are you, what are you, what are you saying uh-oh for? And Ethan said, well, there was one time I was one day late. <laughs> and he explained to her, you know, uh, she said, what do you mean? He said, well, I, I would always do my tithe. I'd get paid on Friday. So at work, I would go online and do my tithe because I didn't have internet at home. Uh, because it costs so much, and he's a real good steward. And so, said I didn't have internet at home, so I would always do it at work on Friday when I got paid. But one Friday, I didn't go to work. I didn't have to work that Friday. I had to work Saturday, so I did it on Saturday. But I've always regretted that my tithe wasn't, you know, ever Friday, that it was one day late. And they got to laughing, and they said, oh, to Elaine, they said, your dad's not going to notice that. And Elaine said, yes, he will. <laughs> So they said, why don't you ask him? Why don't you ask him? So she came home that night. She said, hey, Dad, uh, did you check uh, Ethan's tithing record? I said, yeah, I sure did. (laughs) She said, well, was everything okay? I said, there was one time he was one day late. (laughs) And the next time we meet, I'm going to ask him about it. Kevin, why wouldn't I check the tithing record? of a young man that wants to date my daughter. Let me say it another way. Why would I give my daughter to a thief? If he can't even handle money, I mean, he definitely can't handle Elaine because Elaine is a handful. (laughs) He's not going to be able to handle her if he can't handle dollars and cents. But let me say it another way. She's my only daughter. She's priceless. Why would I give true riches to someone that can't handle unrighteous mammon? Can't even handle money. Well, let me say it another way. Why would the Heavenly Father? who has all power to bless you. Why would he bless you when you don't steward what you already have? I I couldn't do it justice. My daughter's nine years old. We're not there yet. (laughs) Worship team, as you come to the altar, you know what breaks the spirit of mammon? Tithing and giving will break the spirit of mammon in our lives. Because when you bring to God what is His, 
the spirit of mammon is lifted from your finances and the spirit of God is put over your finances. Church, we must strive every day to live in a way that pleases God. And he wants to bring to us the true riches, but he's only going to bring it if you're faithful, even in the little.